Ed Carlson was desperate. It was a Saturday in February 1933, the depths of the Great Depression, and he had just found two more dead cows in his barn. A month earlier, two seemingly healthy heifers had collapsed and died of internal hemorrhages. Weeks later, a bull of his died of a simple puncture wound that just kept gushing and gushing blood. Then that Saturday, two more heifers died, again with internal hemorrhages. Five cows, all bled to death. Now, this was not a good day to deal with a crisis. A real Wisconsin blizzard was raging outside. Temperatures had dropped well below zero. But if Ed Carlson lost any more cows, he was ruined. His farm, gone. So using all his strength, he loaded one dead heifer into his pickup. He also filled a milk pail with blood from the other dead cow. Then he grabbed some tufts of clover that he'd been feeding the cows. Then he set off into the blizzard. You can imagine the conditions. Slippery roads, blinding snow, his pickup shaking in the wind, and mile after mile with no company except that dead cow. Veterinarians had been warning farmers for a decade by then. Do not feed your cows sweet clover. They'll bleed to death. Ed Carlson, though, thought that that was all a bunch of bull sugar. His daddy had fed cows sweet clover, and his daddy's daddy had, too. He didn't like those egghead science types telling him what to do. But like many people, Ed Carlson dismissed science right up until he needed it. After 200 miles driving through a blizzard, he finally pulled up to a veterinary research station at the University of Wisconsin, only to find the station closed. It was Saturday night. 200 miles with a dead cow, all for nothing. But old Ed was desperate. He started wandering around campus, yanking on random doors to see if they were open, determined to find someone. Finally, inside the biochemistry building, he found some scientists still at work. They were a bit taken aback, but Ed told them to sit tight. He brought in the milk pail of blood, plus some clover. Then he actually lugged the dead heifer in and dumped it right there on the lab floor. The lab's top chemist was a man named Carl Link, and the whole scene left Link bewildered. He felt bad for the farmer, sure, but Link was a carbohydrate chemist. He studied corn. What the hell did he know about dead cows? Nevertheless, in one of those amazing coincidences that end up changing the world, Ed Carlson had stumbled into the exact right person to help him because that dead cow concealed a lethal poison. A poison that would go on to become one of the most important drugs in the history of medicine. From the Science History Institute, this is Sam Keen and the Disappearing Spoon, a topsy-turvy, sciency history podcast where footnotes become the real story. After Ed Carlson dumped that dead cow in his lab, Carl Link apologized but said that there was nothing he could do. He advised Ed to consult with his veterinarian and sent him home. 
and there things might have stood, if not for a crazy German graduate student in Link's lab. After Carlson left, the crazy German started splashing his hands right in that pail of blood. Given the cold outside, and how long the blood had been exposed to the air, that blood should have been clotted and thick. But it wasn't. It was still running. Mein Gott, there's no clot in this blood! Then he wheeled on Link, enraged. How can you send a poor man home in a blizzard? And what will he find when he gets home? Sicker cows. And when he and his good woman go to church tomorrow, and pray, and pray, and pray, what would they have on Monday? More dead cows. Link felt ashamed. The German was right. He had to help. Link started working that very night and basically did not stop for two decades. Link had a long, horsey face with slicked-back amber waves of hair. He often dressed purposely like a country bumpkin with a pipe and homemade sweaters and straw hats, sometimes even a cape. He looked like an extra in that show, Hee Haw. But he was a sharp scientist. And however dramatic the pail of blood was, he realized that the key to the dead cow was the feed the farmer had brought, the sweet clover. All over the Great Plains, farmers then were losing cows to routine operations like dehornings and castrations. Other cattle died even without surgery. Over a few weeks, huge pockets of blood would erupt on their flanks, mounds of red fluid a foot wide. After a month or two, they died of internal hemorrhages. Scientists at first suspected a disease outbreak, but the cows had no fevers or other signs of infection. The only common factor was sweet clover. All the dying cows had been eating it. Sweet clover is a grass with a distinct smell when it's cut, like freshly mowed hay. Cows love it. But if farmers didn't dry it properly, it got moldy. In normal times, they would have thrown the moldy clover away. But during the pinch of the Great Depression, they couldn't afford to. They fed cows the spoiled clover anyway. And that turned out to be a death sentence. Thousands upon thousands collapsed. Ed Carlson was far from alone in facing ruin. But why did moldy clover cause hemorrhages? There had to be some chemical responsible. That's what Carl Link set out to find. To investigate the mystery, Link and his team mashed up huge mounds of moldy clover. Then they used various test tube tricks to extract different chemicals. There were hundreds of extracts to examine. Each one got purified and injected into rabbits to see whether it caused hemorrhages. Frankly, this is the unsexy side of science. Month after month of tedious labor, most of it futile. For six long years, in fact, there was nothing but false starts and dead ends. Still, science has its moments. At long last, in June 1939, a graduate student named Harold Campbell stayed up all night alone in Link's lab working and finally isolated six tiny milligrams of a chemical that caused massive hemorrhages in rabbits. He'd finally found the poison. Link arrived at work the next morning to find Campbell snoring on the lab's couch, having crashed asleep. Meanwhile, a local farmhand was watching over the lab. 
Now, Lincoln knew the farmhand liked to have himself a nip of alcohol now and then at work. Probably alcohol stolen from the lab supplies. But Link was startled to see the man openly drinking booze that morning. I'm celebrating, Doc, he cried. Campbell has hit the jackpot. Link could only shake his head and laugh. They had indeed hit the jackpot. So what was this poison? Again, sweet clover smells like freshly cut hay. And coincidentally, the molecule that causes the hay smell was closely related to the molecule Campbell isolated. The hay scent molecule is called coumarin. Mold takes this coumarin and tweaks it chemically. In short, it fuses two coumarin molecules together to form dicoumarin, which is bad, bad news. Whenever cows or other mammals ingest dicoumarin, it blocks a certain enzyme. That enzyme, in turn, activates the nutrient vitamin K. Without active vitamin K, blood cannot clot. So, long story short, dicoumarol prevents vitamin K from entering the bloodstream. When that happens, hemorrhages erupt, and even mild wounds gush blood. Still, as they say, the dose makes the poison. Dicoumarol killed by thinning the blood and preventing it from clotting. But preventing clotting is not always a bad thing. In fact, clots often cause strokes and heart attacks. And people who suffer strokes and heart attacks often take blood thinners. And here, in Dicumarol, was the most potent blood thinner anyone had ever seen. Carl Link had set out to find a poison. But the more he thought about it, the more he realized that maybe, in minuscule amounts, this poison could save lives. Unfortunately, lab tests revealed that dicumarol had flaws as a blood thinner. For one thing, it took too long to work in test animals. It was also too hard to get the dosage right. The line between busting up clots and causing massive hemorrhages was too thin for comfort. So Link and his team started investigating some chemical cousins of dicumarol. They would tweak the molecules a bit by swapping some atoms around and then test whether that new molecule worked better. But again, this was a long, tedious process, spread over several years, with a hundred-plus variations to try. And they just kept bailing. All in all, it seemed like a good idea that just wouldn't pan out. And there things might have stood, if not for a disastrous camping trip. In the fall of 1945, after a decade of work on blood thinners, Carl Link needed a vacation. He went canoeing in the forests of Wisconsin, and he could not have picked a lovelier place or a worse week. As soon as he dipped oar into water, the heavens opened up. It rained and rained and then rained some more, leaving him cold and miserable. Link soon developed a hacking cough, and his doctor confirmed the worst. An old case of tuberculosis had flared up. Link's one-week camping trip turned into six months in forced vacation at a sanitarium. There Link sat, week after week, resting. For Pep, he got a shot of cod oil liver every day. Plus, this being Wisconsin, three bottles of beer. Still, Link was bored, deathly bored. 
So bored that one day he started flipping through a Reader's Digest article on, of all things, the history of rat control. Why not? There was nothing else to do. But as Louis Pasteur said, chance favors the prepared mind. After years of obsessing over blood thinners, the articles sparked an idea. The problem with typical rat control is that most poisons taste horribly bitter. Rats won't do more than nibble them. Poisons also cause stabbing stomach pains, and rats aren't dumb. If something hurts them once, they never eat it again. But Lincoln knew that dicumarol was not a typical poison. It apparently had no taste. Animals did not shy away from it during tests. Equally important, it poisoned you only gradually. Cows consumed it for weeks before any trouble started. So did other mammals. So rats seemed likely to keep eating it and eating it until it built up too much inside them. Once Link got out of the sanitarium, he started testing dicumarol on rats. It turned out that dicumarol worked too slowly in rodents, just a biochemical quirk of theirs. So his team started testing its chemical cousins, the molecules they'd tweaked before. They finally got to number 42, the most potent of all, because number 42 proved a heck of a rodenticide. A product finally hit the shelves in 1948 called Warfare. And wow, did Warfare and kill rats heaps and heaps and heaps of rats. It was the biggest rat buster in history. Now, rat control was not exactly Nobel Prize worthy, but it was sure useful. Warfare and turned into a multi-million dollar business too, making Link proud. And again, there things might have stood with a perfectly adequate invention, if not for a suicide attempt in Philadelphia. Have you ever wanted to appreciate books or movies or music from another culture? Do you have a big trip coming up and want to get beyond the tourist spots and immerse yourself in local culture? No matter what the reason, Rosetta Stone is the language program for you. Rosetta Stone has been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Millions have used it. Rosetta Stone knows what works for getting started, remembering what you've learned, and motivating you to stay on track. Plus, the built-in true accent feature gives you live feedback to improve your pronunciation. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. So don't put off learning that language. Start today. For a limited time, Disappearing Spoon listeners get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. 
new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The suicide attempt involved a soldier. This soldier got drafted into the Army in 1951, destined for Korea. And for whatever reason, the soldier simply could not face it. So he decided to kill himself. He went to the hardware store and asked for rat poison. The clerk handed him a carton of warfarin. That night, the soldier sat down and ate a teaspoon. The warfarin had been mixed with cornstarch, so it tasted sweet like a marshmallow. Then the soldier laid down on his bed to die. Except he didn't die. To his frustration, he woke up in the morning. So the next night, he sat down and took more warfarin. And then he laid down to die. But once again, he woke up alive. He couldn't even kill himself right. This happened several more times. Six times he tried killing himself. And six times he woke up in the morning, crushed. Pretty soon, he had finished the whole carton of rat poison. But while the soldier did not die, he didn't exactly feel good either. His kidneys ate and stomach cramps left him doubled over in agony. Most scary of all, he got nosebleeds, real gushers. It's one thing to die in your sleep, quite another to watch yourself bleed to death from a nosebleed. At some point, the soldier apparently changed his mind about dying. He checked himself into a military hospital near Philadelphia instead. To their shock, the doctors there realized he had sweet clover disease, the same thing that had killed Ed Carlson's cows. By then, scientists knew that afflicted cows would buck up after shots of vitamin K. So the doctors injected the soldier. And it worked. Remarkably quickly, the soldier recovered. In fact, that was the most amazing thing about the whole case, how uneventful the recovery was. The soldier had eaten a carton of rat poison and walked away just fine. Well, word about this case got back to Carl Link in Wisconsin. And Link was shocked. But he was also intrigued. How had the soldiers survived the most potent rat poison in their arsenal? Link's team ran some more tests. And they discovered that rodents were far more susceptible to warfare than other animals. Again, it's just a biochemical quirk of rodents. And this revived Link's long-lost hope of finding a blood-thinner drug for humans. Because if warfarin was survivable, well, maybe it could work as a drug. And in fact, more tests reveal that warfarin did not have the same shortcomings as the first compounds they tried as human drugs. Warfarin thinned the blood relatively quickly and was more forgiving about the dose. And best of all, vitamin K reversed it, an immediate antidote. All in all, warfarin was a damn fine blood thinner. Still, it was also rat poison. Good luck convincing doctors to prescribe rat poison. It just seemed like a dead end. And yet again, there things might have stood if history had not dealt another wild card. In September 1955, President Dwight Eisenhower was visiting his wife's family in Denver when he suffered a heart attack. Eisenhower was rushed to a military hospital. He lived, but he needed blood thinners to prevent a probable second heart attack. And who knows why? Maybe the doctors in Denver had heard about the Philadelphia soldier suicide case through the military grapevine. 
Regardless, the cardiologist on hand gave the president warfarin. And it worked brilliantly. Eisenhower popped back pretty quickly, and the press ran glowing stories about the miracle drug that saved the president. Rat poison or not, prescriptions boomed. Now, warfarin is not the only unlikely drug in history. Other drugs have been derived from snake venoms and poison-tipped arrows from the Amazon. I've actually got a bonus episode about these poison drugs at patreon.com slash disappearingspoon. Which reminds me, this story idea came from Patreon listener Catherine in Washington. You too could submit your own story ideas through Patreon and listen to tons of bonus material too. That's patreon.com slash disappearingspoon. But amid all the crazy venoms and poisons that we now use as drugs, warfarin has to be the most unlikely of all. Warfarin came from a moldy clover, killed thousands of cows, and then took a detour as a rat poison. Today, though, two million people take warfarin every year in the United States alone. It now appears on the World Health Organization's official list of essential medicines. Few drugs in history have ever done more good. Sadly, farmer Ed Carlson never did save his cows. But in facing down that blizzard and finding Carl Link, Carlson helped save more lives than he ever could have imagined. True, Ed did not have much faith in science. But the thing is, science works whether you believe in it or not. This is the Disappearing Spoon podcast, brought to you by the Science History Institute. Find out more about their library, museum, and multimedia magazine at sciencehistory.org. Make sure you check out the Science History Institute's other awesome podcast, Distillations. You can find their in-depth narrative stories and interviews about everything from space junk to sex, drugs, and migraines anywhere you get your podcast and on their website distillations.org You can find more incredible stories from my books at samkeen.com You can also book me as a speaker at your school or event. If you like this podcast, please support it at patreon.com slash disappearingspoon. It costs as little as seven cents per day. You can also get bonus episodes and signed books. Please spread the word to others as well, and subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or other places. This episode was written by me, Sam Keen. It was mixed by Jonathan Pfeffer and produced by Mariel Carr, Rigoberto Hernandez, and Padmini Raghunath. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 